Hello and welcome to Relationship Rescue. Every relationship begins with you, the podcast. And today, um, I'm going to talk a lot about shame and um, basically how shame creates the majority of the unhealthiness within ourselves, which creates the unhealthy relationship. And also how I've seen recently, the last six months, I guess, is how people in my group courses on these live calls come to heal. Um, And I don't want to say it's a different way than almost people that work with me one-on-one heal. And when you can speak freely in front of a group of people and even though it's on a Zoom call and you don't have to be seen, you can be heard, but most of my people are, you know, seen. There is something very freeing about speaking about your unhealthy relationship or where you're stuck, what you're feeling, and not feeling shame about saying those things to strangers and not feeling judged. There's an empowerment there. It feels empowering. And... um I'm really enjoying this process with my with all of the people in my course. You know, right now it's 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 just it's this course it's basically it's an inner child it's a healing course that is about healing the inner child and also healing your attachment style at the same time and teaching you about attachment styles. And there will be a part two to the course um, eventually about dating after divorce and or dating even if you're not divorced or whatever it is because then what happens is when you heal. excuse me, you have to go into the dating pool, right? And you have to figure out what the hell am I going to do in there? And recently, you know, um, I mean, I've done this for a while, but I work with clients after they've healed and they're back in that dating pool and what they're facing is um, a pool of unhealthy people, right? Because who who gets thrown back into that, into the fish pond? You know, not the secure people. But then you, and you have people like my clients that have healed, but yet can still get triggered. Um, but mostly you have people thrown back into a dating pool that are looking to repeat the same exact relationship that they were just in because it didn't give them what they needed from that relationship. They never healed within it. So they're looking to get their voids filled again. And so it's, you know, and so the, again, they're going to jump into a shame-based relationship and um you know through group through the group support what I've seen is um my clients are recovering a very good a valuable sense of worth obviously right it's you know it's coming out of hiding and it's showing people your shame-based self but that you have nothing to be shamed forever because as you 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 see your reflection in non-shaming eyes of others because the others are in the group are the same way as you is what were and as am I as I was right so um it it sent it restores your sense of having an interpersonal bond and it's it's basically um it's it's sharing experiences with strength and hope with other people that have experiences and are sharing their experiences with straight strength and hope. And you start shifting um, from a dependent 
see on a shame-based relationship and a shame-based family to people that are on the same page as you, that are into healing, want healing, want to continue the healing journey, know that this is part of their destination um, in this course now, whatever we're doing. But the greatest two people are the people that take my course. Um, they're, they're in it forever and they get to go to every live call for the rest of their life. So if you have any interest when we're done with this, um, with this um, podcast, I'm going to put a link to the course in the notes for this podcast. Click on it. It's going to tell you all about the course. And, you know, I'm going to give every podcast viewer 25% off. And I will also add the link, the, the, um, the discount code, the 25% off for the course in the, um, in the notes. So when you start to understand and you start to feel supported through, you know, basically your healing, which is also grief work, you begin to see things differently. Okay. You get to, you know, basically get those child developmental needs met as an adult. And each time you get a need met that you meet yourself, um, that others, you know, support you in healing and you, you know, help you through that, the voids go away and the healthier you become, right? So what you want to do is you want to be able to access states of yourself, which is high energy. So when you're around like-minded people, that's why I always say when you're in, stuck in an unhealthy relationship, you are in really bad energy and you never seem to be able to get out of it. And the life, your life is, you're always looking at what is and what is continuously stays. What is, it's not good. And I understand it. It's hard to look for what can be when what is is so horrible. But when you are in a live call on Wednesdays with the you know other people, like I said, like you, or you have a call with me, which is part of the course, and you're looking at, you know, you're in your own portal and you're being able to listen to my words of my teaching and read the content and do the workbooks, it starts to make you come alive again. It takes you out of your shame and puts you into um, who you really are. So it's basically integrating your disowned parts. Okay? So, you know, I've talked about before that we have within us the parent, the adult, and the child. Um, I've actually talked pretty in-depthly about the parent, the adult, and the child. And what we're always trying to do is the adult is trying to emancipate itself from the adult and the child within us. But it's not easy, right? Because that parental voice is strong and the inner child that's throwing the tantrum is strong also. So um, what you have to understand is this, is that um, every position you take when you're in a relationship, at any given moment, you are either exhibiting your parental person, your adult person, or your child, your inner child. And most of all, the child that is unhealed, the inner child is filled with shame. Those are the trigger. Those are the reactions that are disproportionate to the, um, to the, to the situation. So, for instance, when you don't meet unhealthy need of yourself as an adult and you it's a void and you continue to let it go the child will basically rebel against you and it will cause you to react 
That's the child. Okay. Um, the parent is basically means you're now in the same state of mind as one of your parents um, or a parental substitute, you know, caregiver used to be. And you're responding as he or she would. Same postures, the gestures, the vocabulary, the feelings. And when you're an adult, that means you've just made an autonomous, okay, an, uh, an objective appraisal of the situation. And you're stating those things, that objective appraisal, through thought processes, through the problems that you perceive and the conclusions that you have come to, right? And it's, it's a non-prejudicial manner. Um, and that's where you want to be. Okay, so every individual, okay, um, is capable of objectively processing data. If you can emancipate yourself from the parent and the inner child, the one that the unhealed inner child, how do you do that? Well, through healing, right? Um, obviously. And when I'm dealing with clients, a lot of the time I will see it. I'll tell, I'm now starting to tell my clients, okay, I'm dealing with both of your children right now. Right now I'm talking to two children. And it's very odd. It's kind of fascinating to sit there and, you know, with couples calls, I've said it before, I'm in a Zoom call with my couples calls all the time. And to see when they both are at, just coming from their in, hurt inner child. But to see them with a 50-year-old face or a 40-year-old face, and I'm like, whoa, it's very odd. And then I see normally what happens is then one will start to shift to the parent. So one will let go of the inner child but becomes the parent. And then that makes the other partner even more upset because now they're feeling like they're being talked down to, like a parent would talk to them, right? So that's not going to work. We need two adults in the situation, in the, in the situation, in the, in the um, in the relationship, in order for it to work, right? Okay, so now how is you know? So what are we all trying to do when we're trying to figure out how to get to the adult? Well, we're all controlling, right? So control is basically um, it's an attempt to will what cannot be willed. You cannot change another person. You cannot fix your partner, your spouse, your parents, your children. You cannot control their lives or, or their pain. You cannot do any of that, right? So when you feel you're losing control, right? A lot of people that have been raised in households where there's enmeshment, um, you will begin to feel like a victim, okay? Because... You, uh, you know, you want to feel safe in your relationship. And if you're losing control, then you're feeling kind of victimized. And then what, what do you do? Well, then you become, um, you know, a persecutor. We've talked about this. And I think I need to go back and have another, you know, podcast or two or three on the drama triangle. But then we persecute. We attack our partner either as rageaholic as an inner child or some sort of running away, fleeing, freezing, whatever it is, or we parent them. And what happens is um, we're doing a, a reenactment of our parental relationship, right? So it's a, it's a fantasy bond. It's an entrapment, 
And the way out of this is through the original pain that the inner child felt to feel it and to heal it and to let it go. So each time you leave one toxic relationship or unhealthy relationship and get into a new one, all you're doing is you're reenacting that that childhood parental relationship again. And the only way out is to do legitimate grief work. Your inner child needs to grieve. You need to help your your yourself grieve those things that need to be grieved. And since any relationship based on a child controlling the relationship is immature, guess what? Well, it results in an overestimate um, or an over, how about call it investment of power and esteem in the other person. So the abandoned child's need to nurture their partner, which is the nurturing parent or whatever you, you want to look at them as, it's basically expecting one partner to provide what one's parents failed to provide, which is a delusion. It's an unrealistic expectation. And guess what? It ends up in disappointment and anger. So the victim really does want that parent and, and the rescuer. And the rescuer wants to parent also, wants to be the parent, which is messed up. But then resorts to the inner child rage, um, you know, fighting back, whatever, passive aggressively or aggressively when the victim isn't doing what the parent says to do. That's all that happens. The rescuer gets upset. Listen, you're not, re you know what? I'm rescuing you and you're not doing what I say. I'm your parent, you child. So guess what? I'm going to persecute you. I'm going to attack you. I'm going to control you. I'm going to passively aggressive. I'm going to do what it wants until it gets the child back in, in, in order. But here's the thing. The victim doesn't like that. So the victim says, yeah, no. I don't, or, you know, or the victim says, I don't like the way you're parenting me and you're rescuing me. It's not acceptable. So then they go and persecute. That's basically the drama triangle, right? So in all of this, okay, is based on what? Shame. Shame. And shame is toxic shame. Ch toxic shame is internalized shame. It's, you know, it's basically... Saying who I am is not okay. Who I am is I'm not good enough. I can't, I am not a, I'm not worthy of anything other than, you know, what I, um, you know, nothing basically. So, so then what are, what are some of the ways that we, what, what do we do? Well, we have, you know, perfectionism, which is, you know, perfectionism flows from massive, the core of toxic shame. A perfectionist, and I want you to understand this, has no sense of healthy shame. He has no sense of um, internal sense of limits. Perfectionists never know how much is good enough. Let me say that to you again. A perfectionist ne never knows how much is good enough. Perfectionism is learned when, guess what, how? When one is valued only for doing. That's it. See, when parental acceptance and love are dependent upon performance, perfectionism is created. The performance is always related to what is outside of the self. So the child is taught to strive onward. There is a never a place to rest and have inner joy and satisfaction. So let's say you, you know, your parent wants you to do a project or you're working on something. And this is something that comes over and over for, with men, my clients with men. They do, I don't know, they're doing something with their father, right? And 
it's never good enough. The lawn isn't covered cut good enough. They didn't do the project good enough, whatever it is. So there's never an end to the product project. They have to go do it again and again and again and again. And they have to keep doing it. And then what happens is fear. Fear comes from saying, hey, I'm done. Why? Because guess what? They know it's not going to be good enough. So what, so what does that mean? So not measuring up is translated into a comparison of good versus bad, better versus worse. Good and bad lead to moralizing and judgmentalism. So perfectionism leads to comparison making. You know, when, when perfectionism is paramount, okay, the comparison of self with others inevitably ends in the self feeling the lesser for the comparison. So you, you always feel feeling less than. And then comparison making is one of the major ways that one continues to shame oneself internally. So you're continuously, you know, um, basically saying you suck. And it, it leads to destruction. So, you know, um, control is also one of these disorders. Power, it's power. See, those who must control everything fear being vulnerable. Well, why? Because... Guess what? To be vulnerable opens one up to being shamed. So that means that you, you're going to stay guarded. So control is the way that, um, you know what, to ensure that no one can ever shame us again. And it tries, it, it involves, which it doesn't work, controlling our thoughts, our expressions, our feelings and actions. And, but it also involves trying to control other people's thoughts, feelings and actions. And it cannot happen. And control is the ultimate vi villain in destroying intimacy. <coughs> we cannot basically um, share freely unless we're equal, right? So when one person controls another, equal, equality is ruptured. So when we need to control, it's because our toxic shame drives us outside of ourselves. So we objectify ourselves and we experience ourselves as lacking and defective. So the striving for powers flows from the need to control, right? So it's basically saying I'm defective, so I'm going to control you so you don't understand how defective I am. And then when I have that power over you, I become less vulnerable to being shamed by you, okay? So... You know, it, it's it's just, and again, it's a, she covers up the shame. And basically, you're, you're maximizing your power against your partner. Well, that's not going to work really out well, is it? The power addict, which is, you know, is it's a way to insulate against any further shaming. That's the bottom line. What's rage? Oh, rage. Rage is the most naturally occurring cover-up for shame. Rageaholics are... Um, are basically so have so much toxic shame, right? And they're going to suppress it, but it always turns against them. See, when rage is used as a defense, okay, um, it protects a person in two ways. Okay, here's the thing. So, have you ever been talking to somebody and you're trying your partner or your spouse and you're trying to have a discussion about something? And all of a sudden, they become enraged. You know, call it a rageaholic. And what it does is it keeps others away by transferring the shame to them. Because a rageaholic will project every single thing they hate about themselves onto the other person. They'll actually start telling you that you, basically everything they do that is what you do. And the rage is so bad it's the screaming the yelling the pounding the walls the pushing the shoving the 
it's it's they're out of control, right? And it's also hostility, it's bitterness. And it becomes a state of being rather than feeling. It's a deep bitterness within the self. And it destroys everything. Rage often intensifies into hatred. Okay. And, and it can result in the violence, the revenge, the vindictiveness, even in criminality, right? So you've got to be careful if you're with a rageaholic, you need to understand that that can turn on you quickly. Arrogance or pride is defined as offensively exaggerating one's own importance, right? But there's a difference between pride and arrogance. You know, there is pride as you can be proud of yourself. I'm proud of my clients all the time. I'm proud of myself. That's a healthy pride, okay? I'm going to tell you there is healthy pride. The victims of arrogance, those are, they're unequal in power, okay? So the victim feels arrogant, I'm sorry, inadequate, okay? Think about that. So the victim will feel inadequate and um, around an arrogant person. And so what they'll do is they will believe they're inadequate because of their lack of knowledge, their experience of power. So then they become want that arrogance and arrogance is a way for them to cover up the shame. And then after years of arrogance, the arrogant person is so out of touch. What are they? They don't even know who they are. So one of the greatest tragedies of shame cover-ups is not only does, you know what, the person hide from others, but they also hide from themselves. So, so far, what have we talked about with shame? What does it do? Perfectionism, power, control, rage, arrogance. And then shame also is criticism and blame. Criticism, blame, that's like the common ways. That shame is interpersonally transferred. If I feel put down and humiliating, I can reduce this feeling by criticizing and blaming someone else, period. Think about trolls on social media. Those are the most shame-based people you can imagine. They stop and need to criticize and judge others and or blame others. Right? So... When you're feeling, if you feel like you're criticizing and blaming, and um, I want you to stop and ask yourself, what what do I feel bad about myself right now? Why do I what what's making me feel bad about myself? Judgmentalism and moralizing, right? So if you're judgmental and um, you are you know constantly judging others, there you go. That's another one. Okay, it's another uh, cover up for shame. Patronizing. To patronize is to support, to protect, or champion someone who is unequal in benefits, knowledge, or power, but who has not asked for your support, protection, or champion, right? So being patronizing leaves the other person feeling shame. And that interpersonal, you know, transfer of shame through patronization is very subtle. On the surface, what is it? You look, oh, it looks like you seem to be helping the other person through support and encouragement. Yet in reality, you know what? It's not helping. It's a cover-up for shame and usually hides contempt and passive-aggressive anger, which is your internalized shame. What else is shame? Caregiving, helping, like overly, right? So when you feel powerful and helpless, you basically over, you care give, you rescue basically, right? A caregiving spouse of an alcoholic is actually enabling the alcoholic's disease, right? 
caregiving and helping spouse of the drug addict. You're actually helping the drug addict's disease. A care caregiving and helping partner to somebody that refuses to work, that just wants to take, take, take. You are enabling and helping and caregiving. You are part of the problem. That's your own internalized shame because why you feel inadequate and de defe defective. But rescuing or enabling is actually robbery. Why is it robbery? Well, it robs the other person of a sense of achievement and power there by increasing their toxic shame because they're already filled with toxic shame because you're caregiving and saving them and for, and for all the other reasons that they're not working, that they're drinking and they're doing drugs. And now you're enabling them and that makes them even stuck in it more. But it's actually you power tripping over yourself because you're so freaking happy. You don't have to focus on your own damn problems. You can just rescue and you can focus on theirs and you can talk about how bad they are to everybody else, but never looking at yourself. While meanwhile, the only reason you're caregiving, enabling and rescuing is why? Because it makes you feel better. Come on, be honest, people pleasing, being nice. Oh my God, more hiding shames. It's a massive cover up for toxic shame, right? Being nice is, you know what, being overly nice and, you know, um, people pleasing, it's manipulating people in situations. You can, you know what, you can basically avoid any real emotional contact and intimacy. So, you know, like the nice guy. What is the nice guy? The nice guy tends to create an atmosphere. Okay, number one, we're, we're, you know, what? no one can give any honest feedback. It stifles the growth of others, right? Um, because there's never any honest feedback. Others feel guilty and shame for feeling angry at the nice guy. The other turns his aggression against himself, generating what? Shame. Nice behavior is unreal. It just puts severe limitations on any relationships. What does that mean? What is... What is nice behavior? Because you're probably like, Heather, come on. Of course we got to be nice. Yeah, if it's if it's people-pleasing nice, if it's basically you're doing it, um, if it's nice, um, if the goal is your own image but not the other person, it's not being nice. It's manipulating, okay? Then envy. Envy is another big, huge cover-up for shame. Then obviously the compulsive addictive behaviors, um, you know, you got the alcohol, the eating disorders, all of those things come in under the category of toxic, toxic shame. Those are coping mechanisms, all of this. So what I want you to understand is it doesn't just go away and your relationships don't get healthy when you have all of that internalized toxic shame and it's coming out in all of those things I just mentioned, the perfectionism, the rage, the criticism, the judgment, the mis being Mr. Nice Guy, all of it. It doesn't work and that creates the parental and the child relationship or the two children relationship, never the two adults, which is what we need. Um, okay, click the link in my bio to find out everything about this group course. It is amazing. It is, again, inner child healing and helping you heal your attachment style. It's basically giving you your life back, and it is incredible. Um, there's going to be, there's a code in there for 25% for every podcast listener. Um, and group calls, live calls are on Wednesdays, every, and, and those calls are never going away. You have access forever. This is if you can't work one-on-one -on -one with me, this is the best way. This is the processes I use with my own clients. Um, so anyways, thank you so much for tuning in to Relationship Rescue, the podcast, Every Relationship Begins With You. Until next time, bye-bye.